Tonight, we're going to look at the secret for joyful Christian living. The secret for joyful Christian living. Luke chapter 10, beginning at verse 38. Now it came to pass as they went that he entered into a certain village. And a certain woman named Martha received him into her home. And she had a sister called Mary, which also sat at Jesus' feet and heard him. But Martha was cumbered about much serving and came to him and said, Lord, dost thou not care that my sister hath left me to serve alone? Bid her therefore that she help me. And Jesus answered and said unto her, Martha, Martha, thou art careful and troubled about many things, but one thing is needful, and Mary hath chosen that good part, which shall not be taken away from her. As we get into the study tonight, I find it interesting that the Holy Spirit intentionally leaves informational details out of this event. Now, we know if you were to go to the book of John, you would say, well, I know who this family is. I know where they live. Based on other scriptures, we would say, well, they live in Bethany. We believe Mary and Martha also have a brother named Lazarus. And we see Martha shows up about three different times in scriptures. But what I want you to notice tonight is this. The Holy Spirit doesn't tell us these things in this text, which ought to make us just stop and think, I wonder why. Why does he tell us in the book of John, but he doesn't tell us in the book of Luke? What was the Holy Spirit wanting us to learn as we look at this text tonight? Maybe sometimes you've heard the phrase, you know, I'd rather burn out for Jesus than rust out. And typically, those kinds of statements are intended to give us a nudge, to get us to be serving, to, to get involved. But you notice a statement like that is an either-or statement, isn't it? I'd either, I'd rather burn out for Jesus or I'd rather, rather than rust for Jesus. But is that really the only two options? Is it either burn out or rust out? And I would submit to you, based on what Jesus teaches us, you don't have to go with either of those. In fact, Jesus doesn't want you to burn out. Now, yes, I've taken that and changed it just a little bit, but I think it's important that we, that we think the way Jesus taught. Notice what Jesus, what's been happening here as we've studied this passage together in the first few verses, in fact, the first large chunk of verses here in Luke chapter 10, we find Jesus is telling them, you need to go out and be my ambassadors. I want you to be a witness, and I want you to go to all these different places, and I want you to tell them that the king is coming. And as you go from place to place, you can't, you can't make people accept it. You can't coerce them. You can't force them. But let them know that even if they choose to reject the message, it doesn't change the message. The king is coming. And that honest truthfulness and yet kindness, you know, it's very important that people know the truth. And it's very important 
that we don't get in the way of that truth by something that we're doing that keeps them from hearing the truth and reacting to us. Then, you remember what Jesus said, I want you to be my ambassadors, and that's a really important thing, isn't it? In the Christian life, we would say, being an ambassador, being a witness, that's really important. But then he said, it's important that we have compassion. And he gave the story of the Good Samaritan. And you remember with the Good Samaritan, from everything we can tell, that was a true event. And it was something that he could point to that had happened. Because if it hadn't happened, they would have said, oh no, Samaritans would never do that for the Jews. It had to be something that when the people heard it, they yeah, yeah, that did happen. And remember, it was the lawyer who was wanting to talk about the scriptures, the Torah, but not wanting to do the Torah, not wanting to live the law. And he said, you know, what does the scriptures tell you? He said, what do I need to do to get an, uh, eternal life? And remember, he said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus said, okay, go and do that. And he said, yeah, but who's my neighbor? And we learned last week the importance of compassion, of caring for people. Now, both of those, if we wanted to, we could twist each other's arms pretty hard, couldn't we? What kind of witness are you? Are you really doing what you should? Are you burning out for Jesus? We could really be twisting arms. How much are we really loving our fellow man? How much are we really going out of our way for those people? And we could, once again guilt trip each other. We need to be doing those things, but what keeps the joy in our Christian living? I enjoy going out and witnessing. I enjoy helping others. But what keeps us from getting sharp and harsh? And what keeps us focused on why we go out and why we're going to be compassionate? And we come to the text tonight you know, having sent them out in evangelism and described serving, now the Holy Spirit brings us back to what's important to keep life together. And we notice, now it came to pass as they went that they entered into a certain village. Now here's the thing, the flow that you see the Holy Spirit is teaching us here, the Holy Spirit is saying they're, they're on their way from one point to another. And while they're going from one point to another, which tells you the busyness of their lives, while they're going from point A to point B, he entered into a certain village. And a certain woman named Martha received him into her home. You know, as you think about this, there's a lot of things we don't know. As This text is a very easy text to beat up Martha on. Very easy to say, you need to be a bunch of Marys, don't be a Martha, don't be... But let's just think for a moment, how much advance warning did Martha have? That Jesus and his disciples were going to be there. Ladies, would it... How would you feel if 13 people sh showed up on your doorstep? Hey, we're here, we just need a break. We're just, we're on our way through. Would, would that create a little concern in your heart? Just, you know, time to 
maybe just, you know, pick stuff up around the house and to, what do I have to serve them? My parents tell the story of, and for them, this was a big deal. For you, it wouldn't be a big deal, but the president of the college that they graduated from was in my dad's church service one night. And they just, they were in a, a little town in Georgia. And they came, and the only thing they had in the house was Ritz crackers. That was it. And my mom, 40 years later, would still talk about, she said, I can't believe. President of the college came to our house, and the only thing we had to serve was Ritz crackers. But they would also say, you know, we had a great time. We just sat around, and we ate our Ritz crackers, and we talked, and it was such a blessing. Now imagine Martha, not the president of a college. This is Jesus Christ, who's coming to her house. How much warning did she have? I don't know. Ladies, how much warning would you want if you knew Jesus Christ was going to show up with 12 other people? Would you like more than 15 minutes notice? Would you like a week's notice? The reason why I say that is, is because it is so easy to be harsh on people and miss the point that the Holy Spirit's trying to teach us. So here's Jesus and the disciples, and we don't know a lot about it. If she knew that they were coming, did she get any advance notice? We don't know. But literally, the scriptures tell us she re Martha received him into her home. Literally, the word received. For me, there's a lot fuller meaning. Literally, it is she welcomed into the home. Sorry, that is the news that is coming through. Um, she welcomed them into their home. So here is Martha. We start with a, with a really good understanding of Martha loved to have people in. And Martha loved having the Savior in. And so before we get harsh on Martha, you need to understand, Martha said, oh, please come in. I want you to be here. It wasn't a bother to Martha. I also want you to notice that the word Martha means mistress or Lord. From everything we can see in Scripture, she was the one that was in charge of the house. In fact, you notice it says it was her house. Now, maybe... He was, that was a vernacular, it was hers and Mary's and Lazarus's house, but it doesn't say that, does it? I believe the scripture tells us what it did because it also lets us know, you know, when you have a guest coming to your house, you try to get everyone to help getting everything done. But ladies, have you ever noticed that sometimes when you're trying to get everything done, people disappear on you? And all of a sudden, now, it was like, we're going to do this, and can you do this, and can you do this, and all of a sudden... Yeah, I got that done. Well, it doesn't look very good. Well, it's done, and they will kind of wander off, and all of a sudden now you're feeling the weight of this. Why? Because you're the lady of the house. You're the one who's in charge of wanting to make sure that things look right. So she welcomes them into the home. She is. It's said that it's her home. Now, as, as we go on, it says, and she had a sister named Mary, which also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. Now, I think to me that word also is important. 
The word also could mean also with the other disciples. It does give you an idea of the equalness in Christianity that it was just as appropriate for the lady to be learning and sitting at Jesus' feet as it was for men to be at Jesus' feet. But in that the disciples are not mentioned in that verse, I believe the only also that that can refer back to is Martha. So now what have you learned about Martha? Martha is a lady who wanted Jesus to be in her home, welcomed him into her home. She also sat at Jesus' feet. Now, as we continue, notice, but Mary, but Martha was cumbered about with much serving. And here's where I believe the Holy Spirit pulls back the curtain and lets us really see what has Martha so worked up. Martha is never chastised for trying to prepare a meal. Sometimes I've heard this presented this way. You're either a Mary or you're a Martha. You're either this or you're this, as if it's wrong to prepare a meal, as if it's wrong to be serving. And we know that's not the case because often in Scripture, even Peter's, Peter's mother-in-law, when she was healed, what was the first thing she did? She got up and she served. That's not a critical statement. But the Holy Spirit pulls back the curtain and lets us know why he puts this in the book of Luke right where he did in chapter 10. Notice with me. But Martha was cumbered about much serving. The word cumbered has the idea to drag off. Something's got a hold of you and kind of dragging you away. That's the word cumbered. And the idea is something had gotten a hold of her and was distracting her from the most important thing. And that's what Jesus wants us to notice. Jesus saw it and said, Martha, Martha, you're cumbered about with much serving. You've become distracted. It wasn't wrong to be serving. The problem was she forgot that everything she was doing was to enjoy being with Jesus. When you have someone into your home, what you're really there to do is to enjoy that person. And you want to show them honor and you want to show them the best you can, showing that you really appreciate them. But the whole point is, if you're not going to spend time with the individual in your home and you're going to be all upset about what's going on, then you've missed the whole point of having them in your home. Now what happens often, and what Jesus was seeing, here are people, they had sent out 70, they had been out, they had seen great things on their witnessing campaign, and they were being told, serve people around you that you see, but what happens? when you get really tired and you get really worn out. You typically get sharp. And notice what happens. But Martha was cumbered about much serving and came to Jesus and said, Lord, 
Dost thou not care that my sister hath left me to serve alone? Bid her, therefore, that she should help me. Notice how the, the sharpness starts coming out in her words. Here's a lady who's doing all the right things. But the irritability, the sharpness starts coming out. Why did the sharpness start coming out in her? That ought to make us ask that question because you know what? That would be me. That, that could be you. So what can we learn from Martha? Notice Jesus' answer in verse 41. And Jesus answered and said unto her, Martha, Martha, thou art careful and troubled about many things. Our Lord's response reveals the closeness that he had. He calls her name and you notice he repeats her name. Settle down. But rather than saying, you can't talk to me that way. Who are you to tell me that I'm supposed to be telling her what to do? I'm Jesus. I'm the one who gives the orders around here. Get back in the kitchen. Is that what he did? Absolutely not. You notice Jesus' response. Martha. Martha. And he points her to refocus. Refocus. You've become distracted, Martha. Now verse 42. One thing is needful. And Mary hath chosen that good part, which shall not be taken away from her. Now there are some people that would say, verse 42 is telling you she was trying to fix too big a meal. Only need one thing. Could have just had a sandwich. Could have made this easy for yourself. In that that's not mentioned in the text anywhere. I mean, though good commentators say that, again, stay focused on the text. What is the one thing? He says, I want you to notice in this gentle rebuke, Jesus doesn't tear her down because she too had been listening to Jesus. But what had, what had Martha forgotten? She had forgotten to consider Jesus and his power in her. Did she know about the feeding of the 4,000 and the 5,000? I'm going to guess she had heard about that, considering everyone heard about that. Wouldn't her, if all she could get together on short notice was a pack of Ritz crackers, couldn't Jesus have turned that Ritz crackers into something that everyone needed? Well, sure he could. And what was the most important thing? To show her love. Martha had forgotten that the one she was serving was the one also who could help her out. Mary got it. Notice as you look at it, he says, Mary had chosen that good part. Now he didn't say, this is better than that. He didn't say it was wrong to prepare the food. What he was saying is, don't ever separate your service from your worship. Always have to have worship to keep your service in balance. 
and to be able to enjoy serving. That's going to be an important thing for us. You know, as we serve the Lord together, it would be very easy to do one of two things. If, if you want to contrast these two, you've got people who are in administration, people who see how things need to be done, and they get frustrated because everyone's not pulling their weight, and it's got to get done, and now I'm the one who's buried in all this, and they get upset. And then you've got people who are all relational, but they don't seem to notice all that's got to go on. Jesus blends these two, and he says, Mary's chosen a good thing. He didn't say that Mary shouldn't help, but Martha was the one at that point who needed the encouragement. Always keep your service and your worship together. Remember how we read that in Mark that the disciples at one point were so busy they didn't have time to eat. And Jesus said, come aside. And I want you to eat. So that he sent them in a boat. They went to a boat. They went to the other side. And that was when they got there, the whole crowd came. And Jesus kept teaching them. And literally, that was when we read the feeding of the 5,000. Do you remember what happened at the end of the feeding of the 5,000? Again, Jesus said, you guys get in the boat. Go to the other side. I'll dismiss the crowd. Jesus was concerned physically that they had time to rest. Jesus was concerned that they had time to eat. And Jesus was concerned that they had time to just be refreshed. Let me encourage you as we focus on things here. We need help <coughs> with a nursery. We need help with children's church. And in fact, I believe there are other things that we can be doing. But let me encourage you with this. And that is, we don't want to get so busy that we cease to worship. How do we teach our children that worship is important? Um, even when we dismiss children to children's church, please understand that is not a way just to get them out of the service so that adults can learn. Children's church is children's church. It's to teach them how to still worship God. So they learn to sit. They learn to answer. They learn how to respond to these questions. And the whole goal is we're trying to teach our children how to worship. If you remember why we don't dismiss them before, right before the preaching, we want them to be a part of our worship service because we've got to teach our children the value of something. If they don't see you doing it, they're not going to know the value of it. So I just want to encourage you, as we think about service, as we think about going out and being ambassadors, and as we think about reaching out to people, make sure that we keep our worship in line. I believe the Holy Spirit kept these three things together for us. And it's not necessarily that these were sequential, that they happened boom, 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 chronologically. There was some time space there. In fact, if you begin chapter 11, you're going to see there's time space there again. Because you see, Luke is putting these things together so that we can learn important truths. So I hope tonight, what's the one important thing that we need to keep joy in our lives? We need worship time. It's easy to get so busy in our lives that we don't take time for personal worship each day. Could I encourage you with this? 
as busy as we get, spend time with Jesus first. Amen.